0: are trying to be a street cop all right so here we go hey guys welcome to this episode of the street cop training podcast i'm your host founder and ceo of street cop training my name is dennis benino today i have with me brandon westfall who's a police officer uh who went through something that a lot of us never anticipate going through uh, I met him a while ago. He came to our conference, received a Survivor Award, and thankful to have him here on the podcast today to share his story. And hopefully we can benefit from his experience, as many of you have from this podcast, which is uh, very rewarding for me and has motivated me to show up and try to record one of these almost every single day. Even on the weekends, we're trying to get some more of these in. So you know that it's super important. People are finding really, really big time value in this training program and these podcasts. So. Without further ado, welcome, Brandon. How you doing, sir? You don't have to call me, sir, dude. We're friends. <laughs> so, dude, do you want to give everybody kind of the bio of who you are, where you're from, and how long, or how your law enforcement career started?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, for everybody, I'm, you know, police officer Brandon Westfall. I'm from Prince George's County, or I'm from Calvert County, Maryland. I'm a Prince George's County police officer. I've uh, been a police officer almost a full six years now. Um, started out being a police officer, uh, more or less, it's been a family tradition. You know, I have, uh, almost five generations dated back before my agency was even there of, uh, police officers. It's always been kind of one of these things where I knew I wanted to do it right away. Um, and it's all been through Prince George's County and I, you know, my whole family's always been police. I've always wanted to help people, always wanted to make a difference. Even though my family uh, tried to shy me away from it, and I, I knew that's what I wanted to do.
0: That's awesome, man. So, you have family members that are still currently on the job.
1: Yeah, I have a uh, father that's still on the job. He's a first sergeant. He's been on for thirty-five years. My uh, own. Oh yeah, so he's still uh, he's still doing it. Man, what was his what was his
0: you know position when you told him you wanted to be a cop? What did, how did he react to that?
1: Um. So originally, my plan was to join the military. And uh, you know, he was kind of against not against, but he kind of wanted me to steer clear of that because we've had family that's done that still met and been hurt and everything like that. So he didn't want to see it happen to me. Uh he thanks, you know, everyone for their service and everything, as do I, but he uh I basically gave him the ultimatum. I said, You're gonna get one of the two for me, so you better make that decision. He's and like, the crazy
0: right. thing is is like, you know, the 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 injury you sustained is so significant that it's no different than military. Uh this is not some bullshit thing. I mean this is nothing different than having a military incident like this occur, which is so fucking ironic, right?
1: Absolutely. I, I sat here and thought about that multiple times you know, in the past after him saying that. I was like, well, I still got hurt just as bad as I probably could have over there. So,
0: <laughs> Before we get into the story, how did your father react, especially was he working the night that the incident unfolded?
1: So, my father was actually shift one uh, at a different station. We have eight stations at our uh, department, and he was actually working the same shifts and heard it go out over the radio. And so, it was kind of crazy, if I can kind of preface it. Two days before, uh, me and my father had just been fishing, and so we had uh, cooked up the fish that day that I had been hit, and uh, we were sitting there texting back and forth about it about 30 seconds right before it happened. Wow. And then, uh, the, of course, the day after, as you know, was my son's birthday. Or, I'm sorry, the day before I was shot was my son's birthday. But the, you know, the day after we went fishing was my son's birthday.
0: Did your father respond to the scene?
1: Uh, so they actually wouldn't tell him right away. So they didn't tell him where it was right away. I kind of more or less, when I was on the phone, told him, you know, just get to the hospital. And so he actually beat me to the hospital that day.
0: Man, I can't imagine... What your old man must have been going through, especially with the kind of significant impact that you had, you really significant you took some significant gunfire, um you know, and I'm not trying to downplay other people's gunfire, but oh, yeah. it was no joke, dude absolutely. All right, so I know that we kind of started backwards. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell me about you know what you can tell me about on the the day that it occurred, you kind of already set it up. you and your father had cooked up the fish what uh anything weird in the air that night, any weird feelings, and then tell me about. You know, anything weird a week before, things like that?
1: So there was some weird stuff uh, that happened about a month before. Me and one of the other gentlemen that was part of that, you know, I'll, I'll, during the story, I may leave my name in this that way, in case anybody didn't want to be mentioned. I, you know, I don't do that to them. But uh, me and one of the other gentlemen that had been in the same shooting that day, actually, uh, we're riding two-man about a month before when we were on Midnight's. And I actually kind of woke up in the middle of my sleep. And when I woke up, I guess I was having a bad, you know, flashback, whatever you want to call it, premonition. But and he actually told me this when I was in the hospital. He goes, uh, he said, you said something about an AK-47 that day. He goes, do you remember that day? And I said, I remember waking up saying something. And then about a month later is when we both, you know, were hitting that incident by an AK-47. Damn, and so it was kind of really weird when we thought back about it. He's like, dude, you, you know you thought about that because we were just catching you know catching some seasonal four court kind of deal and you know after shift four court so he was helping me out by watching and that's exactly what happened but uh that day no we um i remember it was kind of a beautiful day it was august 23rd you know 2020 and uh we were working evenings and i was you know our whole squad was there basically you know i think none of us were off that day maybe one so we were actually pretty good staff that day. Beautiful 96 degree weather, you know, dead of August. And, uh, I just remember I was sitting there with my buddy and, you know, we were talking about it cause he was studying for his PFC exam and I was, you know, kind of messing with him. I said, Hey, you know, this, you know, this fish I ate the other day or this fish I caught and I'm eating kind of sucks. We have to go to Chipotle. <laughs> and so, uh, we, uh, we had just been on a call for a emergency petition of somebody and, uh, he looked at me, and we. What was crazy was is we just got our beats changed, like probably three days before this happened. It was actually this this week we just got on, and I just got changed to what was called George Three, and uh, our George Four got changed up. So all these people got switched up, and you know he. Um, it was kind of weird because that day we weren't getting too bad of calls. It was nice and quiet kind of day, and you know we never said that to each other, but we kind of gave each other that look, and everybody knows, like you know evenings. You know, Sunday, everybody's getting ready for football. We all were just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's hopefully going to be an easy day. And then uh, we got the call while we were sitting there and all of us were just together on that uh, EPS call. So five or six of us were on this call together. Two of us uh, had taken, you know, the prisoner or were taken to the prisoner to the hospital. And my buddy looked at me and goes, hey, when when I clear the hospital and you clear us next call, you know, because the call was in his beat he goes uh I, I owe you chipotle and so uh i was like yeah it's no problem and so call goes out as a uh, burglary in progress and uh the information i'm going to share is you know public information already so um it was a burglary in progress and uh we had a basically our 911 call taker stated hey um you know it's an open line So, my essentially i guess uh made the call through the phone under the bed or the couch or something. And there was, you know, robbery happened you know, robbery of the residence happening. And, uh, me knowing the street and where it came from, I was like, we never get calls from over there. This, this is going to be a good call. Like this isn't a BS call. And so, uh, we were only about two miles away. And so we got there pretty quick. Uh, of course, as we were pulling up, um, I was first in, into the uh, neighborhood and, uh, You know, around there, the numbers kind of of get jumbled up because, you know, usually you get odds on one side, evens on the other. It wasn't like this. So as I'm pulling down the neighborhood, I saw a vehicle facing the wrong, you know, parked where no vehicle ever parks, And saw, you know, two gentlemen walking out the house. Well, when they were walking out the house, they kind of, one of them gave a stutter step and ran to the car. And the other one was kind of walking nonchalantly. And I could tell he had a gun in his pocket. And I, I recognized it right away. And, uh my backup was probably about 20 or 30 seconds behind me at this point. Cause I've got there a little bit quicker than everybody. And, uh, as soon as I pulled up, I had just actually been only about a year back from my uh, previous shooting. And I think I remember it in my head. I was like, it's about to go down. As soon as I, when I said, let me see your hands. And the one guy just looked at me and the other one had disappeared for a second. I, I actually couldn't figure out what, who was going to pop or pop at me or whatever. And, uh, I just recognized it in my gut. My gut told me right away, like, it's it's about to go. And how did you respond when that
0: happened? Did you, like, immediately go for f- cover or grab a rifle or anything?
1: So, um, unfortunately, my department doesn't have the funds to give every officer a rifle. So, all I had was my nine. And immediately, I was at the low ready. Uh, especially with it being a and e in progress, I knew I was going to you know, be at the low ready just in case anyway. Did you call for other, other units right away? They were, I mean, I knew that they were already coming behind me. Okay. Yeah. They were, they're moving hot because of yeah, we progress moving hot. I knew that there was at least five behind me. So, um, at this point when I got out the car, I never left because where the, the two gentlemen that were uh, walking towards that vehicle were positioned as they were running across the yard or the one ran across the yard. I never left my point of cover because at one point when I looked at the other guy and I knew he had the handgun, I was like, I'm not leaving my cover. I'm not going to rush up on these guys and try to grab them before they get in the car or something. No. And so I left my door open. And I stood between my A-pillar door and my seating, so I kind of was using that A-pillar for cover. And I, as soon as I addressed them, I said, "Let me see your hands." And uh, that's when they opened fire on me with an AK-47 style mm-hmm. pistol, and then a, um, you know, the other one had a handgun. Uh, one of they're the both very- shooting at the same time. Yeah, they were putting rounds on me real quick. Fucking Animals. And so uh, one of the first rounds actually took my leg out completely. Wow. Uh, It was probably the first five shots he fired, uh, completely took my leg out. My leg was just hanging on by the calf. Well, when that happened, I had all my weight actually on my left leg because I was leaning out the vehicle getting that 8 pillar cover. And it uh, it sent me down uh, straight to my back and I actually knocked myself unconscious for a minute. And so when that happened, luckily, you know everything was. I did. I did like I did in training. I caned my wheel to the side. Well, if I hadn't caned my wheel and I had a straight wheel, they would have shot me dead right there. Wow. So my they ate a lot of the rounds. Um, so for about two or three seconds, I was dazed for a second. I actually remember looking up and on the radio because when I went down, it snapped my radio out with my holder or whatever. I remember hearing on the radio and I I, I saw my backup starting to pull up and put shots down to help me out. And when they were doing that, I also looked under my door. That was giving me some kind of concealment. I uh, I saw the guy's feet, and it looked like he was walking towards me. So that's when I actually started looking. I actually shot through my door. I started deploying rounds through my uh, driver's side door, and uh, to me, that was like, "You're not going to walk up on me and kill me." Mm-hmm. And so I remember it. The- was it was it him? Uh, so the guy was walking, but he was at his vehicle. His vehicle was probably about twenty feet in front of me.
0: So, he wasn't, so coming to, he wasn't coming to try to execute you. He was trying to escape.
1: Yeah, but in my eyes, I didn't know. Oh, fuck, Dude, listen, you're, we're, where's go
0: time, motherfucker? I don't care <laughs> who the fuck you are. You're trying to run. You're right. dead. We're fucking killing
1: your ass. <laughs> well, so I, uh, as soon as I saw his feet come around the vehicle and start moving forward. Dude, I, I
0: mean, let's face facts. You could say, well, we're at a deadly force situation. Oh, you're yeah. going to be fucking killed now. We're fucking killing you. Unless you're going to drop, submit, and throw your hands up. If this continues on, any kind of any kind of retreating, running, you just shot cops. You're fucking dead. We're gonna kill you.
1: Absolutely. So I. Um, and by the way, if
0: anybody takes that out of context, you know right. what? I don't give a fuck. I'm not here to pander. This is not somebody who came out, put their hands up, and we're. Dr- this is somebody who actively just shot a police officer, multiple police officers. It's on. And if you oh. want to criticize that advice, that you're gonna get fucking killed now, um, you are completely out of your goddamn mind. And you don't have to email me or try to interview me. You can fucking kiss my ass. Because if you fuck with one of us like that, you're a murderer. You're trying to actively murder people. Absolutely. And on top of that, police officers. So, yeah, you know what? Now it's on, motherfucker. You get me fired up.
1: Oh, yeah. So, and the craziest part, I forgot to add this. When I said I was looking around, what was crazy was, is when I came to after being knocked out, actually woke me up as I was getting hit in the face with rocks and I was like, what the hell is that? And recognized that was bullets hitting right next to my head. And so I was like, oh shit, I need to get up and start going. So squad pulls up. I actually uh had to pull myself into my car by my steering wheel. At this point, um I was trying to get myself a seated platform and or use my vehicle as a weapon. So as soon as I got into my vehicle, I tried to turn the vehicle on. It was dead. Yeah, I guess whatever they shot at me shot my vehicle up enough that I couldn't move my car. So at the seat of platform, I was uh, behind the dash using it for cover. And that's when they sent a couple more rounds at me. First one hit me in the chest. Next one hit me in the arm. simultaneously. went right through the vest, right? So it actually went through the hood of my car, engine block, uh, firewall, steering wheel, vest, and still made it about two inches into my chest. Damn, that's the 7.62, right? Yeah. And so um, the next one took me in the arm. Kind of looked like an ice cream scoop. Hit me in the arm. Uh, the one that hit me in the chest dislocated my left shoulder it actually made it so I couldn't use my left hand at this point as much as I'd like to. Uh, right hand was kind of blown open at this point, and they're still putting rounds on me. At this point, they're starting to pull away, though, because my my squad actually pulled up and was putting fire on them. They had to pull away from us. Well, when they what were
0: you up, thinking when this was going on in that moment?
1: Uh, not being macho, not at all. This is why it was such an honor to meet Marcus Troll at the conference. Um one of his speeches, because I listened to a whole bunch of that kind of stuff, resonated in my head. It was, you know, you didn't kill me yet, you know, it's it's time to get up and go to work. And, you know, it's time to fight, you know. Bass. If you didn't you know, if you didn't kill me, it's time to go. And I remember saying that. And I remember the other part was I was pissed off. I was like, This motherfucker really just shot me. And uh the third part was my son just turned one, I'm going the fuck home. And that was, you know. Attaboy. Attaboy. You know? That's all I was kind of thinking. And so uh when they went down, they actually had to turn around to come back on us. They still had the AK. I think the guy had dropped the handgun or something. I, I don't know. I think he might have had it. All I know is they still had that AK. So I, there was a, a brief moment where I'm sitting there in my car, and one of my partners came up on me heroically, um, looked at me and goes, yo, we got to get you out of here. And I said, they're coming back. We got to get ready. And I'm reloading, as I'm saying this, with one hand. And uh, I later found out they all thought I was dead. They were like, your your leg was splitting my left leg was split in half hanging out the car i left i actually had to lift my leg up put it in the car slam my door my glass was broken out already and so at this point i used my spotlight kind of as a uh a, you know a prop for my gun to give me good shots as they started coming back i saw the the ak flash start and uh i started putting more rounds at them. uh put everything wow, else dude, I, you're fucking amazing dude this is great <laughs> so i put everything else i had at them. Uh my partner took cover behind my right door as soon as I went empty I actually had to pull my seat so I could uh, recline backwards because they started putting rounds in my car again wow and, yeah and when they put rounds in my car I actually have one that went under me and actually out the other side of my car where near where my partner was thank god it didn't hit either one of us because that round was hot and uh I just remember I was laying there and I was looking up and all of a sudden all this glass and stuff started breaking on me and I was just like man this sucks I was like I hope I don't get hit again And, uh, luckily my, my squad put enough good fire on them. They crashed out right next to me. They kill those motherfuckers? Fortunately, no, but, uh, you know, that, that court case is coming up. And, uh, so as, as they crashed out, I remember I was sitting there and I looked back and I was actually like this for a second. Cause at this point I had just fired about 30 rounds inside my closed vehicle. So my hearing's gone. Um, and I just remember I was like, "I I can't hear any more gunshots. I'm gonna go deaf. And, uh, I looked back and I was like, my, my squad's got, it. I was like, I can't, at one point I tried to reach down, attack reloaded my one magazine. That was the only bullets I had left in the fight. I lost everything else. Where'd so you
0: learn how to attack reload, by the way? Where'd you learn how to do that shit?
1: Our department actually teaches that. We Great. actually, yeah, fucking we have, yeah, we have attack day where we learn a lot of stuff and they, they teach us really good stuff. Like PGPD, they Come do no.
0: Pete, do Pete Prince George's County is a no fucking joke, uh, place to work. Absolutely. It is bad in Prince George's County, boys boys and girls. It borders Southeast DC. I used to work there. Place oh, yeah. is yeah. I, I lived in PG County,
1: right. briefly. Yeah, the place is fucked up. And it's a, uh, you know, it, you got to learn how to be in it. I mean, yeah, I think in five years, that's my second gunfight. Um, it's a real deal place, bro. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I remember I'm sitting there for half a second. I actually, once the body cam's released, I'd love to share it with you. Um You'll see me actually take a breath. I'll go, like, all right. And then at that point, it clicked in my head. I'm like, I'm hitting the chest, I'm hitting the arm, and I'm hitting the leg. The leg is gushing. And I knew in my head, I was like, whatever happens with my chest, I said, if that's the same round that hit me in the leg, I'm going to die anyway. So I said, well, at least let's get what's bleeding out out of the way. So I grabbed my tourniquet that I keep next to me. I pat- fucking love it,
0: dude. Listen to you. This is just <laughs> everything. This is why we we advocate. Take our fucking training. Make sure you have a tourniquet where you can reach it. Make sure you're doing tactical reloads. Make sure you know all this stuff. One thing's the case law shit, but this is the real deal. say should learn police work first.
1: Oh, absolutely. I uh, I grabbed the, the tourniquet, and uh, at this point, I've lost enough blood. I'm losing uh, motor function skills. So I actually can't grip anything, and I what sucked is, and I'll never wear it again, is I had a thigh holster rig for my taser on my left leg. And so when I tried to unclip it, my hands actually weren't strong enough. So I had to put the uh, tourniquet probably about five inches above my knee, whatever I could do to try to cut the blood. And so I, I turned it as much as I could, and I actually couldn't tie it down like you're supposed to. And so I actually had to hold my wrist on it. While that's going on, I looked down at my wrist. I knew that front my wrist was white-meated, and so it means it was colder. So I knew that was hot. I knew that wasn't going to bleed a lot. And then my chest was still smoking, so I'll, Damn I was like, yeah. You know, I was like, whoever gets to me first, I just gotta, you know, get them to cut this shit off. Um, one of the cool little side stories is, is um, I kept a knife in my door. My brother gave me a knife when I was his best man at his wedding, It said my name and ID on it. And I always kept it in my door. It's just kind of like a little favor. I went down to try to reach for that, and uh, it was bent in half. And so I was like, what the hell? And it was broken to pieces. So I later learned that the bullet that hit me in the leg hit me sideways. So my brother's knife that he gave me five years ago that sat in my door every day of my life, you know, every day of my police career, saved my leg from getting completely blown off. Because they said if it hit me straight up all the way, it would have just blown it off. So that little knife that got bent in half uh, actually saved my leg and maybe even my life with that bleeding.
0: I remember when this all happened. I remember people sending me messages. We got one down in PG County. I remember talking yeah. to, um, to uh, Maz, you know, Maz, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul Mazzy. So Tom oh, yeah. And he's like, we got one down. i mean, I, I actually have the text too. I bet you if I go back on my phone um from Maz, because he he's hosted our training there. Oh yeah. Um, I, well, I, I I promise you I have it. I'm actually well you talk it. Can you tell your story and then I'll I'll tell you about the the Maz text that I got that night.
1: Oh yeah. So I uh at this point I put the tourniquet on and uh that's when my, my good friend that I was I was on my first shoot with came up to me and uh helped me out. And uh he just got the life saving award, which was Stokes. Um you know, he's awesome guy. He came up to me and it was kind of nice to see a familiar face at that point. And, uh, he looked at me and I'll never forget the look on his face. Um, you know, I don't think anything ever prepares you to see your friends blown away like that. And, uh, I looked at him and I was like, Hey, I need you to check my chest right now. And I need you. And I think I either said it or he did it. or It was kind of a little bit of both. I was like, I need this tourniquet tightened up. And so I think he started, he tightened that one and started applying another one up high. That way he didn't lose the pressure on this. But um when he checked my chest he goes it went through the vest but he goes I don't I don't think it went in too far. so I was bleeding a little bit out of my chest but not enough so that was good and I just remember looking at him and a couple of the guys they started working on me while I was in the car and uh, at this point you know during the fight my sergeant and my partner had been hit as well. so you know there's guys working on everybody everywhere I'll never forget my sergeant you know trying to comfort me while he was shot in the foot and he sit there you know, Worried about everything. And, uh, I just remember my squad was nothing but, you know, awesome to me. You know, that was it. They were just awesome. And, uh, I remember I looked at all of them and, uh, at this point, once everything was said and done, they, uh, they were trying to get me out the car. And I finally looked at them. I was like, look, I'm a big guy. You know, you, you remember me. I'm at this point, I think I was, big six, dude. yeah, I was 6'6 six, six at this point, probably 280 or 290 with my gear. I'm not an easy guy to get out of a crown bit. So, uh, I remember I looked at them, I said, I just need somebody to hold the lower part of my leg because it was hanging there and I couldn't actually reach down and hold it myself. I said, I need somebody to hold the lower part of my leg. I'll get myself out of the car from there. I'll I'll need y'all's help. So I actually had to dip myself out onto the edge of my car door and I actually put, you know, they helped me get to the ground, but I'll never forget having to do that. I was like, you know, that's why I always preach physical fitness, you know, because if I didn't work out, there was no way I was getting out of any of this alive, you know. and um at this point they started working me at working at on me on the ground and uh i remember one of my buddies that i was uh doing undercover stuff with on a tdy assignment, he looked at me and uh i said i need you to call my dad you know i'd already talked to my dad when i was sitting there i'm sorry before i even did my medical stuff i called my father right after so after i put my tourniquet on i called my father before stokes got there and uh you know it's a little bit harder to talk about sometimes, but. I essentially gave a goodbye because I thought I was going to die. And, uh, you know, that was something that sucked. You know? you know, I basically told him, he's like, what, you know, what happened? I just was like, I love you, pop. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to PGH, uh, you know, and I could hear it in his voice, just the panic. And oh, yeah, I-, I think that's why I got off the phone is because one, I didn't want me crying or anything to be his last memory. I wanted him to hear, you know, I love you. And that was it. And uh, I just said, I had to go at this point. uh, And that's when everything else happened. I got myself on the ground. And uh, I just remember looking at one of the guys that was working on me real good. He reapplied my tourniquet real well. I remember looking at him, I was like, dude, it was my kid's birthday yesterday. I just don't want to die, you know? And uh, I remember I got put in the the, uh, gurney and I hope hope some people see this one. And I'm pretty sure I remember doing this If, if I do. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I remember as I was going by talking shit to the two, of, you know, jackasses as they were in handcuffs, and I believe I said something along the lines of like, "Couldn't kill me, could you?" <laughs> and so they put me on the ambulance right after that, and uh, they applied my turn. You know, the medic applied the turn. Did you guys kitten.
0: hit though? Did they? Did you
1: guys hit those guys at all? Unfortunately, not. No. Wow, oh, dude, I can't fucking believe it. And uh, I can't. I don't think I can tell too many numbers, but Yeah, gotcha,
0: gotcha. Don't yeah, don't go into
1: the details. Put it this way, there's a lot of uh, empty magazines on scene, so there was a lot of rounds fired, and on the bad guys part, they fired a lot at me. And, uh, you know, w- once it's all said and done, we can have a little bit more of a in-depth talk, but, uh.
0: It's fine. We can do this again. Do We can go into more into the conversation later on, post, oh. uh, post-trial. Are they going to yeah. trial, these fuckers?
1: Uh, so I think that they're trying, but from what I've been told, I think they're just waiting for the best possible deal they can get. They're gonna get they're gonna get
0: life, I imagine, right?
1: I would hope so. So um I, uh, that night when I got in the ambulance, I got to the hospital and uh a lot of things weren't really said over the news or nothing. I remember when I first got to the hospital, they kind of said, Oh, he's gonna be okay and stuff. And I remember talking to one of my friends that was the nurse that had dealt with me with all the prisoners for a lot. She goes, uh she goes, I ain't gonna lie, you're your legs jacked and she goes and you've lost a lot of blood and i was a question mark for a little bit i wasn't exactly like hey he's gonna make it material so i and i think that they were trying to downplay to comfort everybody um sure sure but uh they put about three bags of blood in me in the first 30 minutes and right. yeah so they they put a lot of blood in and uh when i went in that night i actually signed the paperwork for them to take my leg um I signed all the paperwork. There was nobody that thought, hey, you're going to keep this. And then the next morning, some surgeon came in and goes, hey, we're going to we're gonna try to do this experimental surgery, essentially. And uh, hopefully you keep your legs. So um, after I woke up from surgery, I looked down and saw my toes. And I was like, Oof. You know, thank
0: God. <laughs> I- <laughs> you know, let me just say, let me jump in here for a second. Like, if you think you're having a bad fucking day or you're complaining about some bullshit in your life, this motherfucker woke up. And he's happy to have his goddamn toes. <laughs> and you're going to sit and bitch and complain because your MDT doesn't work on your car because day shift didn't wash it when they should have because they left a soda bottle on the floor. Get a fucking life and find something real to complain about and some shit to be appreciative of. Because I got to tell you, I've talked to a lot of people who've been through some traumatic shit. Uh, people don't even know their stories. Yeah,
1: I'll
0: tell you a quick story. I'm in a class in Austin, Texas. First class that I do is a guy there who has a prosthetic on. He's a cop. Got a prosthetic right. on. Right? He's wearing a thing. Obviously, must have been from the war, and I don't know him from Adam. And I go, I bet after that happened, you started fucking, you started, uh, you stopped worrying about stupid shit, huh? He goes, oh, my dude. whole world changed. I go, of course it did, right? You've been through something that none of us can even fucking fathom. Oh, yeah. and I bet you stopped worrying about stupid shit after that occurred. That, yeah, like you know what I mean. That's exactly what I said. I didn't even say hello. How are you, I'm Dennis. I go, I bet you after you fucking went through that, you stopped worrying about a lot of stupid shit, huh? He goes, uh, everything. I didn't give a fuck about nothing anymore.
1: No, and I. uh I don't, I don't dwell on little stuff anymore. Like some, you know, irritating shit irritates people. And But I, uh, you take things for granted. And, or a lot of people take things for granted, you know. And one of the things I tell people, I said, don't ever take for granted is your health. You know, I tell people, you know, I wake up every day in pain, you know, somewhere, some way, somehow. Because uh, through everything, you know, my injuries that you see are my leg and my, you know, arm and stuff like that. But people didn't realize how much other stuff's jacked up. Yeah, I lost about half my hearing. I tore my right shoulder when I pulled myself back in my car. I dislocated my left. So I have pain there. I had two slip discs in my neck, four bulging in my back. Jesus. I Christ. cut half my hip out to put in my leg. Wow. So, yeah. So it's like. How old are you now? I'm 26. You're going to be 27. You're a young guy. Yeah. So your but, whole life
0: has changed, bro. But,
1: but perspective, right? You got to see oh, your kid yeah. again. Oh, I get to see my kid. Um, you know, I I'm back to I got back to work about five months ago. You're about out of your a, mind. <laughs> about a year ahead of from uh when they told me I was going to go back. You know, originally I was, you know, probably gonna get retired. And then right after that, they said, uh, you know, it'd be two or three years before you're running again. And about I think ten months I started jogging and I, I took it to heart. You know, I don't like people telling me no. And uh, I, I got to the point where it was like it was, that was the challenge. And uh, you know, I've it, the fight didn't end that day. You know, it still gets, you know, like I said, I got surgery coming up to take the scar tissue out. And I hope that lets me get back in shape to where hopefully one day I can try out for SWAT school. You know, yeah, uh, you know, I have a passion for this job. You know, anybody that knows me knows I used to get guns and drugs all the time. And I loved it. And I'd love to get back to being able to do that again. When did you, you know?
0: find out about us?
1: So I actually was going to attend one of your classes. It was... I think when you came to PG and you were at the lodge and I had just been in my first shooting. And so my mind went from, you know, I want to go learn this to F this for a little bit. And, you know, just because of my first shoot and I was like, man, this sounds really cool. And one of my buddies had been through your classes like, dude, you got to go through it if it comes back. And so, um, Are you start sure
0: following us on social and things like that. Oh yeah. Prior to the shooting.
1: Oh yeah. And so, I had always, like, a lot of your um, criminal law stuff, a lot of your search techniques, a lot of your cues, I learned a lot of stuff from that. Like, the cues was one of the biggest things, especially when I was getting guns and uh, drugs or when, you know, people try to do certain things. I learned a lot from you guys. I mean, a lot from experience, but a lot from you guys as well. And it was uh, it was really cool to kind of have the backing of you guys when this happened. It, it meant a lot, you know, and Girl, people... I,
0: I feel like I, I feel like I can't do enough for the world fast enough. And I was got to tell myself, you need to slow the fuck down and do what you can. You know, oh, yeah. I, I'm like in a panic over here. I'm like, man, I, I can't go fucking fast enough at times. You know, I listen, I don't lose sleep at night, but I'm just like, you know, man, I, I there's a fucking day where it was wasted on something stupid, which I there's not many of those. Oh, yeah. I get very frustrated with like the idea that I could have done something more today. Right. And it's things like this that that remind me of why we're doing what we do. Oh, yeah. there's, a, there's yeah. a big why as to what this company stands for
1: oh yeah and i couldn't you know and i've i've said it to multiple other people and i was waiting for the podcast to say it but i couldn't thank you enough for what you did at the conference you know bringing all of us together and then allowing me to be one of the big people of you know the survivors club that's is huge and not dude, only does what
0: that, are you thanking me for i mean dude thank <laughs> you like you know what we owe you fuck could never, <laughs> there's nobody on earth that could ever repay you for what you did. Nobody, what? not me. I'm just so an opportunity to get you motherfuckers together because I know the kind of pain you're in. I don't understand it because I haven't been shot. And right. I know that I don't understand it. I don't even pretend to try to understand it. Yeah. But I know that I'm hearing this same thing over and over again that we have nobody, we need each other. So oh, let's yeah? just put it all together. Let's get these motherfuckers together. Let's honor them. People don't realize, they really forget the fucking sacrifice all of you made. And they don't understand that as they're sitting comfortable, water skiing, enjoying life, and never <laughs> happened to them, that you will never go, you'll never have the same life that you were entitled to before you took this fucking job. Oh, people absolutely. forget that. And I gotta tell you, dude, I don't forget that. You know, there's a thousand causes out there. But to me, people don't recognize that These are the most noble human beings in the world. And you know what's interesting, Brandon, recently today, I'm privy to the idea that this podcast is public and people take these opportunities, these fucking news journalists and reporters Mm -hmm. to dig anything they can out of this, to try to find one thing where they're going to say, and you know what, dude, I don't give a fuck. I'll never pander to these bums. And if you can't, there's just, they're so delusional. That's why I tell people, you know, ignore the noise. Ignore right. the noise. Focus on what's important. Oh, absolutely. These fucking maggots go away eventually. You know, they're not persistent. They look for, the, they, look for they look for. easy kills. They don't look for people who have spines. Oh, and absolutely. we'll never pander at this company to the bullshit. We'll stand behind our people. We'll stand behind all the stuff we believe in. I don't care if you don't like my language. Makes no right. difference to me. Um, and, bro, you don't, you know, a lot of you guys thank me. Brother, uh, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it, but like, more, I don't know how much, I, if I could do anything for you, I, I feel like I owe you so much. And the only thing I can give you right now is just to thank you. And I don't think you realize like how deep, every, everybody's listened to this. Believe me, I speak on behalf of the whole community. I and mean, we can't yeah. thank you enough. And taking the time to talk about this yeah. There were so many fucking golden nuggets you gave away in this that, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may, you may save somebody else's life.
1: I hope so. You know, I, uh, some of the biggest things I've ever, and, you know, you're talking about golden nuggets, then I talked about that Marcus the Troll speech. That was something that resonated to me. And uh, as corny as it sounds, one of the biggest phrases that's ever uh, resonated in my, my head was Sivis pacum parabellum. It's if you want peace, prepare for war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's not always meant to be physical. That can also be mental. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you have to go through a lot of stuff mentally. As far as, you know, this whole process has been something different. I was at my first shooting and, you know, I thought I'd seen and done something then. And, and when you get hit, it, it's a lot different. You're, you're in a different mindset and that war that you have within yourself and that day teach you so much more about life and appreciation and God and family than you could ever remember or than you could ever know. And so for your peace to come, you know, that's why I say you got to go through war. You know, I, I have a different kind of peace about me now. And you realize these things when, like you said, and you said this perfectly, the little bullshit—it doesn't even matter anymore. Because when you go through something like this, it makes you so much happier to have the little bullshit. You know, your kid crying—you know, your kid crying—and you used to be like, "Oh man!" Now you're just like, "Oh, I'm happy to be here to hear it." You know, or people bitching about their coffee or something like that—you're just like, you know, you, you say it. You're like, "Yeah, there could be a lot worse things going on." But you know, that if you want peace, prepare for war. That's been one of the biggest things in my head. You know.
0: There is no faster way for me to not like you than complaining and not right. want to be around. I mean, I don't say not like you, I just want to be around you, right? Um and I hear this this one phrase and as a as a business owner and I when somebody's getting advice and good advice and people all you hear is yeah, but that drive th- those two words together make me insane. <laughs> I don't say those words, yeah, but I don't do that and I fucking Hey, that's just excuse after excuse after excuse. And brother, I, I I try to live my life, but you got springboarded into that theory, into that stoicism of understanding what that means. I'll tell you a story that doesn't even compare to yours. But <laughs> my wife, uh when we, you know, we first uh I don't know if we had three kids at the time. Yeah, we didn't have four. Oof. I think my my second child, yeah, I got a lot of kids. Uh my <laughs> second child. Downstairs, a fairly large house, and um, you know, when it's silent, something's not right. Absolutely right, and that's just the rules. The dog too, this motherfucker. When I don't hear him, I'm like, wait a second, where is this 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 asshole? Oh yeah, and I'm not somebody who I don't go beat the dog. I'm just like, ah, fuck, right? Like, (laughs) damn it, right? I knew this was too quiet for this dude. Right, it's just weird. He's not in his bed. Where is he? This doesn't make any sense. Well, anyway, so I go downstairs, and my uh, second son had. Covered himself in shit. And by the way, how old is your kid now? Two. So he's two. So people think dogs shit on the floor a lot. Get a two year old who knows how to take his diaper off, her diaper off. Your well. kids are going to touch their shit. They're going to rub themselves. So this kid covers himself in his shit. So um, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, right? And it was a Saturday morning. I'll never forget it. And I, uh, I went, hey, oh, come hey, hey, uh, hey, uh, we're do. And he starts to panic. She goes, oh, relax, relax. She goes, it's okay. And I went, I'm feeding off of her energy. She's a great navigator as a mother. She's good with this. You know, I'm like, this is somebody who's a natural born mother. She's one of those people, like when you go to a party, like the 14 kids that are there literally circle her and they don't leave her because she's amazing with children. She's just really one of these natural mothers oh, who awesome. any kid would be blessed to have. So I picked the kid up. And I said, uh, she goes, just bring him upstairs. I'll start the bath, relax. And boy, did it stink. So I'm holding him like out away from me with my two hands under his armpits, right? Like trying to not touch the shit that's all over his body. And I bring him like, oh, it's okay, buddy. No big deal. Oh, look at you. you know, I try to like really make light of it, not get him worked up, put him in the bath. And like, now I'm gonna like, clean the shit off my hands. And and I go, uh, and now her and I are laughing. And I said, um, you know, it's funny. I, I I knew somebody was having difficulty getting pregnant. And I said, you know, uh, I, I take this this situation. I don't want to say your name on here. Um, I said, I, you know, I've taken this moment to think about this Saturday morning and you could look at it one or two ways. You could say, I can't believe this happened on Saturday. This kid covered himself in shit. Now I got to clean all this shit. I said, and I'm laughing going, there are people in the world who who would die to be us right now. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, they would just give anything to be us. I go, here we are. Two people that have no problem conceiving children. One hit wonders every single time, right? <laughs> Right. No, it's true, and 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 our biggest problem right now is cleaning shit off a kid at two. Right. Right. People are literally trying for months and years to conceive a child. We have them. This they would die. They would give oh, absolutely their left arm to be in our position right now to at least have the joy of being able to spend time with this kid. Somebody rubs shit on himself, and and being able to see life in that in that manner is it will serve you well. Oh, just bring a calm peace to you, dude. Where. People will give us credit all the time. Like, you guys are the coolest parents. You're so, we so, I go, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? You're gonna stress out over everything? They broke the fucking mirror. What are you gonna do? I can't unbreak the mirror. We'll get a new fucking mirror. Who cares? Or we'll put a pick. I didn't like that mirror anyway.
1: Right. You got, you got to turn the situation and better yourself. And, you know, that's, that's how I've always thought about it. You know, after I got shot and, uh, when they were talking about taking my leg, I remember sitting there that night when I actually signed the paperwork, I was sitting there like, you Know what? I'll get myself better. You know, I, I'll be. A, I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, I'll be the first cop with prosthesis. I'll be, or, you know, on our agency, like a full mm-hmm. leg. I was like, I'll be the first one. I was like, at no point was I defeated. You know, I, I never, never accepted it ever. You know, right. even told me, oh, uh, you might never run, you might never walk right again. All this other crap. I was like, no. And uh, that's one thing I want to tell recruits. You know, luckily I'm at the academy now, so I'll be able to hopefully be able to instill this in new recruits but just around the country you know you're never out of the fight put it that way first um you know never count yourself out to fight and always train you know if i wasn't doing some kind of training or watching something that would better myself you know also talking about physical training you know i worked out every day you know sometimes i worked out every day every day of the week you know i did something and uh you know that's I believe all that has saved me and saved me mentally and also saved me physically. So did you ever find your text from uh Maisie?
0: I was looking at, he, he probably sent me via Facebook message uh, because he would contact me both ways. Right. So oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, I, I don't want to be rude and interrupt you. I was looking oh, for
1: oh. it. No, you're fine. I, uh, but once again, I. Brother, connect... people were,
0: people were hitting me up left and right. I mean, we put a post up in the group right away. Um, oh, you yeah. know, I, Man, I, I don't ever want to feel like I have a lot going on and I don't ever want to feel like somebody's not getting the service they deserve from us. Right. And I, you know, I always want to remind everybody that I really, really want to be there. And if, if we miss for some reason, in some way, it wasn't intentional. Right. I had a guy said to me one time, I said, uh, you know, is there anything we could do for you? And he said, just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, don't worry about me. Keep doing what you're doing and I'll, I'll be all right.
1: Oh, there's, uh, even like when I was going through it, I remember, uh, right after I'd gone through it, there's two, I think it was LAPD or LA deputies or whatever. If the one girl I had been did, yep. their partner. And I was like, and I was, I was still in the hospital. I was still sitting there in CCU. And I just remember I sat there, I was like, man, I wouldn't want to be them. <laughs> and my dad looks at me, he goes, you are one. <laughs> he goes, you're just as bad. I said, nah, I said, I'm past that. I know what they're about to go through. And uh, you know the the love and support that everybody shown me. I hope it goes tenfold to them. What'd
0: you would you think about that when the um when you found out the community really loved their police? Tell me about that.
1: Uh, so right after it happened, the uh, National Harbor down in P.G. County actually um the Ferris wheel, the giant Ferris wheel that you see when you come into Maryland, they turned it blue for three days for the three officers that My been man. shot. My man, and, uh, that actually made me cry. You know, that was it was beautiful. Because uh, right after I got shot, Jacob Blake happened, and that whole situation, you know, people have their opinions about it. That whole situation kind of dampened the community's view on us. And so, um, MG, or I'm sorry, the National Harbor had done that, and it was just beautiful. You know, like, uh, you know, it wasn't just like a, a spring of the moment thing. <clears throat> also, you know, talking to people and hearing stuff, and then. You know, people had set up the GoFundMe for me, which I couldn't believe it. That took me by a storm. And what's crazy is, and a lot of people don't know this, but whenever I see somebody with a GoFundMe, I actually take money out of what people gave me and give it to them. You know, I just pay it forward. And uh, I do. I believe in that, you know, mm-hmm. I pay it forward. You know, that, that money helped me when it needed to help me and helped me. And then now that I still have some, I still give away. I mean, I've given away a lot to other officers. So. Mm. well that's been huge you know and i that was a huge support and i couldn't thank anybody enough
0: my favorite thing to do yeah i wish i had more to give away
1: <laughs> my
0: favorite, dude. Yeah. people will say things to me like you know it's uh, i i'm just i'm just get a high on helping other people it's oh, like yeah. my drug So be like man you know i we needed that and then you showed up and this is great and i'm like it's kind of for me
1: yeah. right? like,
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> what i mean like I I know it was for you, but some of it was for me too, because yeah. that's where I I just love, just love doing things for other people. I mean, it really is my fucking favorite thing to do. I would do that. I, I my kids are a little young right now, right. And if I can convince the uh, significant other, I, I swear to God, dude, I would I would literally on every holiday be at a soup kitchen in a in oh, yeah. like I I would do it every holiday. I don't give a fuck. You know, I know my kids need to have these memories and shit like that, but I, I would that would pump me up. But you right. know, you're, sometimes you're a lone soldier with some of this stuff. People are like, yeah, eh, we're having you know, I don't know.
1: Oh but, yeah, and that's one you know, of the big, that with the Street Cop Survivors Club that you know, a couple of me and a couple of the admins have talked about. We want to, you know, if there's people that aren't being helped right now. That's something I would love to do, especially this, for the. You guys were meeting on the seventh, right? Uh, no, 6 now, 6 at uh, 7 p.m.
0: Can you guys make sure you send me a link so I'm there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 7 p.m. might be... No, just make sure. Can you just DM me or maybe yeah. have my cell phone number? Just text me, remind me that day. Yeah. That we're going to have the fucking... Um, that you're going to have the meeting. Because I don't want to miss it because... I... Not that I belong there. I just want to give you guys some guidance on what you're trying to do and how we can just, just consult. Even when I'm there for 10 minutes, you guys have questions that you want to do with the entity itself. How's that been for you? How's that? How, how's that group been?
1: It's beautiful. It's awesome. I love it. And uh, you know, we had a couple of new members come in. And uh, you know, I always say I let people tell their stories, but just I think it's kind of cool because I, you know, mentally I'm trying to match everybody up with somebody that has similar injuries that's going through the same kind of thing. And so that way you kind of have your, as we call it, battle buddy. You know, you have somebody that's been through the same kind of thing. Like, oh damn, you're feeling that. Well, I, you know, this guy's feeling that too. You know, you guys can talk about it. Somebody's a little bit further than somebody else who can tell you how it's going to be. And that helps a lot. And then, you know, like me, you know, I've talked to, you know, me and Cameron Gentry kind of really get along because we're both, you know, he was way worse off than me. He's, that's a warrior right there. You know, Cameron to me is a hero, you know, he's awesome. And, uh, you know, his leg injuries, I try to talk him up and everything like that. So it's just awesome to talk to each other like that. You know, it's awesome to have the peer support that we do in there. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, and you find somebody that's close to you and, oh, uh, dude. yeah, I've met some people there that I will definitely call lifelong friends.
0: Wild stuff, dude. Tell me about, um, your continued rehab and what you got upcoming health wise and, or, or, you know, how long you're in the hospital rehab and what you're dealing with as far as going forward What the, what's the plans?
1: Um, so ever since it happened, it's been therapy twice a week, psychological once a week, um, adding a chiropractor in once a week now uh i at least have all that for the next 12 weeks and then i'm sorry 12 sessions more for at least um, i have upcoming scar tissue removal out of my knee uh to try to get my leg a little bit better than it is right, right now um hopefully after that i can get myself fully to where i want to be i'll never be 100 percent again but i at least want to get myself to where i can run comfortably and uh after that i'm hoping that takes me strides um all my therapy and everything has been a godsend i've got something in Calvert county where i'm from and people there are nothing but love for the police and then uh psychologically i've kind of moved on from my psych therapy and uh you know actually the survivors club has been more therapeutic than talking to a therapist i mean a lot of us say that you know people don't know when you say you don't know, it's kind of like one of these things where until you get shot or something like that, you you really don't because it's uh it turns from what ifs and all that to it happened and it's time to live with this. And uh, so it's been a lot easier talking to a lot of the guys, and then I've been in the gym every day. I've actually lost about fifty pounds since my peak weight after being shot. So trying to uh, trying to just be a better human all around and you know be a better father for my son. Dude, step by step, day by day, one foot in front of the other. Oh
0: yeah. And uh, I have nothing in my life that is, again, I can compare it to what you've been through. Uh, I have been through a lot of shit. Oh yeah. Everybody has. Nobody should ever cast judgment about somebody. Absolutely I've not. had behaviors that I'm not happy about with myself while I was going through some of that shit. Um, I'm an open book. Uh, I don't think this is the appropriate time for me to discuss that because other people were involved. And um, I just kept telling myself, like, brother, just one one foot in front of another. That's it, man. Just got to take just the next step, just the next step after the next step after the next step. And, you know, before you know it, you're walking.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, And I'm not a therapist and I don't know how people deal with things and blah, 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 blah. But I share that. With those who may be dealing with something, because you know, Brandon, life doesn't get any easier. Nah. You just get better at navigating it. That's all. Yep. Just don't forget that life never gets easier. It. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you get this part resolved. You had this. You fell in love. All these things. I have kids at it. It never gets easier. I'm just sitting here waiting for the next fucking curveball. Right. And I've just got my fucking my bat out, and I'm going, "Get throw it, motherfucker." I right. know what it looks like when it's come my way, and I know I hit that shit exactly so I try to remind everybody life won't get easier I don't, don't there's no amount of money that's gonna make life easier there's nothing that's going to make life easier um but you can learn how to navigate it better and absolutely. the more you go through life, the easier it gets to understand the significance of something versus the insignificance of something so absolutely listen dude let's do this again. I know I have to do a, a hard stop now I have oh, to yeah. run out of here but Let's do this again at some point. We'll get together and make sure you message me for that meeting this uh, this Thursday. Is it Thursday or Friday?
1: It's the 6th. So we changed Thursday. it. To-
0: yeah, and it was on my, my radar. So just don't, you know, if you can remind me, that'd be great. Um, just that I have a lot going on yeah. and I'm trying to do all these crazy fucking things at the same time. And I uh, appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. Oh, for, thank you. For taking the time to do this. And, you know, guys, if you liked our podcast, you know, do me a favor. Go on iTunes, give us a review, go Google search street cop training, throw us five stars. It means a lot. We're going to get out to more people. Check out our street cop training, Facebook group. We're on TikTok and Instagram and all over the place. And I make funny ass fucking memes. Let's face facts. You follow us on Instagram. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Those are all me. Oh, (laughs) I mean, I sit here and make those memes. I'll do one live. I'll do like three live one day. We'll do I'll just show you how we're just, I just having a good time with them with a lot of fun. Oh yeah.
1: You got to do a couple from uh, the conference. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Happy New Year, Brandon. I'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year, sir.
1: Bye-bye.